was awesome. Thank you. Again, if you're wondering why I have this silly microphone on, it's because we are recording all of these to put on the church website. So if you ever miss one or your parents are like, hey, what's the crazy youth guy saying? They can go to the church website and listen to these, listen to Stuart's messages as well. So there you have it, www.myesbc.net slash media, in case you're wondering. All right, so, um, and apparently your, uh, your parents listened last week or at least clicked it to check it out because there were over 80 listens in the past week, which is weird um, because like all the Sunday ones have like seven. Um, so, um, but they're also on YouTube, so people probably go to YouTube to watch them, right? Cool. All right, hey, uh, real quickly, um, question for you. Have you ever been somewhere, but you really wanted really, really badly to be somewhere else? Can you think of a time where, oh, school, I, I wish I was in school right now. This is so bad that I wish I was in school. No, or you wish you were not in school, right? Okay, all right, yes. All right, so think of a time other than school where you really desired to be somewhere else. Lance, you have an example? Yeah. So you heard that? Lance really wanted to be where? On youth choir tour more than anywhere else. So I'm just letting y'all know. That's right. You, yes, you're a black belt. And, all right, I'm going to need proof of these. I'm going to need more than just a belt. I need a, all right, okay, cool. Jack? Homesick, first day of camp, like uh, the camp went over, okay, yeah, okay, all right, that one, all right, so you're homesick, you were somewhere where you were supposed to be, but you wanted to be at home, okay, yes. Yeah, you want to be back home, right, because everybody wants their mama when they're sick, right, yes, yes, ma'am, Jordan. Okay, all right, awesome. Anybody else? Has anybody ever seen the movies or read the books, The Lord of the Rings? Anybody ever read these books? I know I'm like a super nerd and I, yeah, all right, so The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, right? Like the first, the first Lord of the Rings movie came out when I was in high school, okay? And so it was kind of a big deal. It was a bunch of little elves and hobbits and stuff fighting dudes with swords and um, it, it was awesome. Does anybody... Do you understand kind of the, the main plot of the Lord of the Rings? All right, there's a ring, okay, all right, and the ring has a lot of power. Actually, there's a lot of rings, but there's really just one ring that really comes into focus in the main plot of the books, and there's a little hobbit that is trying to take the ring back to where it was formed so it can be destroyed because it has so much power that there are evil creatures and people and whatnot trying to take possession of the ring to rule the world, okay? All right? Anybody know the, uh, the little hobbit's name? Frodo, okay? So even if you haven't seen the movie or read the books, you know about little Frodo, right? He's a hobbit. He has a couple little hobbit friends, okay? One in particular, Sam, all right, is his, is his best hobbit friend, okay? Hobbits are short little dudes, goofy ears, hairy feet. They live, anybody know the place where they live, what it's called? The Shire, all right? See, y'all haven't even seen these, or you were too embarrassed to raise your hand, but you know a lot about them, all right? Which leads me to believe that you have read or seen more than you were letting on. Christian's like, uh, maybe I saw the first two, but, all right? Okay, yeah, whatever, dude. You're gonna start rattling off names of dudes I don't even know. So, Frodo 
and a few of his little hobbit buddies and some other guys, a wizard and some other people, they set off on this journey to take the fires back to a place called Mordor to have the ring destroyed because it's the only way it can be destroyed so that they can protect all of creation and the entire world from utter destruction. But Frodo gets into the middle of his journey and much like our friend Jack, where does Frodo want to be? The Shire. Yes, home. He wants to be back home. Frodo has gone out on this epic quest to save the world. It's really his purpose. It's not that he, he didn't even volunteer for this job necessarily. It was really kind of thrust upon him. That he ends up with the ring by kind of a, a weird uh, set of circumstances. And he really then is bound to the ring to take it back to not only just destroy a ring, but to save everyone. And so now the whole entire creation in this fictional story is, finds their fate resting in a hobbit taking a ring back to this crazy mountain where it was formed to have it destroyed so that they can be saved. And yet in the middle of this journey of Frodo fulfilling his purpose, what does he want more than anything? He wants to go back to the Shire where it's comfortable and where it's safe, where it's familiar, and where there's not all these different people and things and creatures trying to kill him. He wants, in the middle of fulfilling his purpose, to forsake that journey and that task to trade it in to go back to safety. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. And we're going to talk about our relationship with God in light of the fact that we are a new creation. We're actually going to rewind it and go to the verses right before the verses we started with last week, where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he, he talks about this battle that's happening. It's kind of our, our key truth for tonight from these passages, key truth. And the key truth, if you're taking notes, is that there is a battle in my life. There's a battle in my life that constantly rages between earthly and eternal things. If you're just trying to take really quick notes, there's, there's a battle going on in your life between earthly things and eternal things. Things that are of this earth, things that are finite, that are temporal. And there's a battle between those things, earthly things, and eternal things, things that last forever. But yeah, those lights sometimes randomly go out. It's kind of weird. It's kind of dark in the back. All right. There's a battle, sorry. There's a, there's a battle going on in your life between earthly things and eternal things. Earthly and eternal. So I want us to read this passage. It's going to be on the screen. Um, Victoria Hardy is back there running the media for us. Thank you, Victoria. If you would like to help out running uh, stuff in the sound booth, you can come hang out with us at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays when the band is up here working their tails off to prepare to lead you in worship. So if you want to come hang out at four, uh, that'd be great. If you absolutely can't get here at four, but you want to help, then come when you can, and I can uh, show you how to do all that stuff back there. All right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For we know 
that if the tent that is our earthly home, okay, there's, there's a theme here, okay, I had to just make the key truth up, okay, there's a tent that's our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Basically what Paul's saying here in a very roundabout way is that Again, there's this battle happening between earthly and eternal. He talks about it again in, in Philippians. He says, we're caught in this place where we, we live here on earth, but we would rather be with God in heaven because it would be better. There would be peace. There would be rest. There wouldn't be sin. There wouldn't be death. There wouldn't be grief. Everything is perfect with God in heaven. But the battle goes back and forth the other direction too. It says in verse six, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether it is good or evil. So Paul's talking about this, this back and forth struggle. There are times where we want the comfort of home. And in this case, he's using the idea of home as earth, okay? Which he's gonna do the opposite in other places in the New Testament. But he's, he's using this idea of home kind of like Tolkien uses, the, the author of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he uses this idea of home as what's comfortable to us. What we know. Right, how many of you have ever been to heaven and like written a book about your five minutes there or whatever, 30 seconds, however long you were there? You were the little kid that went to heaven and came back, wrote a book. Uh, yeah, that's the one. All right, uh, heaven is for real. All right, cool. All right, side note. Never mind, I won't go there. Um, if a book doesn't line up with scripture, you should probably question it. So just letting you know. All right, um, so anyway, um, it's about all books. All right, um, anyway, um, you're gonna go home and be like, Josh said that the little boy didn't go to heaven. I don't know if he went to heaven or not, but the book doesn't make sense in light of the scripture. All right, so you can go home and tell your parents that. All right, or they can listen to it on here. All right. This idea of home is the idea of comfort, of safety, of what we know, because we've never been to heaven. We don't, we don't know. It's an unknown thing to us, okay? We, we don't understand heaven other than what we see in scripture. And so there are times where to be here, to be present here on earth feels right to us because it's what we know. Just like when you're off at camp or wherever you are, right, you want the comfort of home or where you're, when you're sick, right? You would rather be in your own bed with your own family taking care of you rather than Russ Wood taking care of you, right? Which Russ did a great job taking care of you. Mr. Jason did a great job taking care of you. But you, you, want, you want who you know and what you know. And Paul says, there are times where we want that, but then there's also times where we long to be out of the suffering of this world. All right, We want the things that are eternal because those things are good and they're perfect. And they're not corrupted or polluted by the earth. So there's this constant battle going on between what is earthly and what is eternal. 
And that's really the question that, that these things are going to come down to when we begin to talk about all these different issues this semester that we're talking about. So we begin to talk about our dating relationships, our relationships with our friends or our parents or substance abuse, right, or alcohol or drugs or whatever. We're talking about music and movies and TV shows and social media. We talk about all these things. There's really basic questions that these things boil down to. Are we investing our time and our energy in earthly things that will pass away, that will end when we die, or are we investing our time and our energy and resources in eternal things, things that matter for all time? And that's what Paul is beginning to talk about here as he leads into this idea of being a new creation. And he's, he's really setting up this idea, and he's laying the foundation for, hey guys, when you are in Christ, when you are a new creation, you no longer have an earthly focus, an earthly mindset, you now have an eternal mindset. That's why you see people differently, as we talked about last week. You no longer see people in a fleshly manner, you see them from an eternal point of view. Where you, again, remember last week, if you go back, if you took notes, last week we talked about you, you begin to either see people as someone who is in desperate need of Christ because they are without him, or someone who is already in Christ who is in need of your encouragement as a brother or sister in Christ. That's an, that's an eternal perspective on people rather than an earthly perspective. An earthly perspective would say, hey, that, that person uh, hurt my feelings last year. No, thank you. I'm good. I don't need them anymore. That person, that person looks different than me, smells different than me, talks different than me, is from a different place than me, right? Or that person hangs out with these people, or they dress that way. I had a conversation uh, with some people this morning, some, some older gentlemen, who uh, basically told me it was okay to profile people based on the clothes that they wear, because if you wore your hat backwards or you had saggy pants, you either were a criminal or were too close to criminals. And that's legitimately what they told me. Um, and so that's, that's an earthly perspective, Right? Like, hey, if you dress this way, or if you have this marking on your body, or you have these piercings, or you have that, or you're hanging out here, then you must either be a bad person, or you're stupid and are hanging out with bad people, and either way, you are in need of law enforcement checking on you regularly, right? Earthly, rather than eternal, right? Eternal says, hey, that person is created in the image of God. Perhaps they're wearing clothes that I wouldn't wear myself. Perhaps they've made some choices in their life that maybe I haven't made or wouldn't make, but they are in need of the love of Christ, right? And so that's what Paul is talking about here, this war that wages between earthly and eternal. But there's kind of this point that he gives us, and if you're taking notes, kind of the, the focus of this is in verse nine. It says, so whether we are at home, in this case, home is on earth, or away, that's in heaven, we make it our aim to what? To please him. So if you're taking notes, that's really, that's the, that's the imperative of this passage, right? We are to please him. It's the action that has to be taken from this particular passage of scripture. There's this war that's happening between earthly and eternal. But when we're confronted with these two different aspects of life, do we live in the moment or do we even plan for five years or 10 years down the road, but we plan for earthly things or are we constantly engaging in things that matter eternally? Whatever we do, we aim to please God. It's the same language that Paul uses in the letter he writes to the church at Corinth before this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He says, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it what? To the 
glory of God. The same thing. To do things to the glory of God is the same as to aim to please God. In everything that we do, whether it be things that are focused here on earth, things that are simple like eating and drinking, we do that to the glory of God. We aim to please God in what and how we eat and drink. We also aim to please God in how we invest in people around us, whether it the souls of man is one of those things that are eternal, right? There are two things in life that are eternal, the word of God and the souls of men, okay? And so whether it's something that's an earthly thing like playing soccer or being in the marching band or uh, being in, on the chess team or uh, singing in the, the school choir or doing your algebra homework, right? Those things are earthly things, But those earthly things can have eternal consequences or eternal ramifications depending on how you engage them, right? What if you saw marching in the marching band as not just you putting in time and effort to march in the marching band, but you used it as a way to engage in relationships with people to point them to Jesus? That becomes eternal then, right? So we aim to please God. But why do we do this? Why do we aim to please God? It's our purpose. It is our purpose in life to please God. Has anybody ever honestly stopped and thought what your purpose in life is? Ever stopped? You don't have to share it, but have you ever stopped and and thought about that? Like, this is my purpose. It's some pretty deep stuff, and usually we don't start thinking about that until we're, you're like my age, and you're like too old to really begin to try to Figure it all out at that point, right? But what is your purpose? Your purpose as a human being, we all share the same purpose. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It doesn't matter what your skill set is. It doesn't matter what your talents are. It doesn't matter where you were born or when you were born. If you're a male or a female, your purpose, each and every one of you, is to glorify God, is to please God. It's why we were created. We see it in Genesis chapter 1. We've talked about this. If you have been in this youth ministry for more than a week and a half, you've heard me use this idea, this Hebrew word of the Imago Dei, the image of God. You were literally created as a reflection of God. That's what the word picture means there in Genesis chapter 1, verses 25, 26, 27, when he begins to talk about God creating man. You were created for the purpose of reflecting the greatness and the glory of God here on earth. You're like a mirror where God looks down at you and you reflect the greatness of God to everyone here on earth. Your vertical relationship with God has ramifications on your horizontal relationships with people. You almost think of yourself, right? You think about a a, a mirror. Uh, I should have brought one in here. There's one in in there that I've used before. But think about it. If you had like one of those floor-length mirrors, right? Ladies, anybody, y'all have one of those like full-length mirrors, right? You like have to get ready. Fellas, okay, you can raise your hand. It's cool. All right. You want to look good before you go. I I feel you. All right. So you have the mirror. Jack, we know that clearly you have one. We can tell that you have a full-length mirror. Yes. All right. So. You have this mirror, right? And think about it if it's at an angle and and God's reflection is shining down and that same reflection that's shining down then shines out, okay? It's a a silly little uh, elementary example, but you were created in that way so that when people see you, the hope is that they don't see you, they see Christ. 
That's why you were created. It's your purpose in life. So what is to this idea of bringing glory to God? We've kind of talked about it. What does it even mean? It, it means that, that people see the greatness and the majesty of who God is by the way that we live, by the things that we say. I had somebody tell me a long time ago that you are either pointing people toward Jesus or you're pointing people away from Jesus. There's really no neutral ground. Because right, my life is either pointing people to Jesus or it's pointing people to me. And if I'm pointing people to me, by the very definition, I'm pointing people away from Christ. And so this idea of bringing glory to God or aiming to please God is about us living a life that, that points people to Jesus. So that when they see us, when they hear us, they come away understanding that we have been with Jesus and we have been changed by him. We are a new creation. There's more here. So we aim to please him. Why? Because it's our purpose, okay? Remember Frodo? What was his purpose? To, to destroy the ring, to get the ring to Mordor so it would be destroyed. Absolutely. Yeah, y'all are, y'all are all right. But what happens in the middle of his quest? He longs to go back to the Shire. He has a, an incredible purpose. How many, how many hobbits, right, get chosen to go and to save the world, right? Like, dude, hobbits aren't real. I know they're not real. I get it. It's a book and a movie. Cool. All right. Guess what? Harry Potter's not real either. Boom. Uh, all right. Sorry, Caroline. Sorry, Caroline. My bad. Sorry about that. Star Wars is very real. Stop it. All right. All right. So is the Black Panther. All right. Wakanda is for real, all right? That's right, forever. All right, Aquaman fake, all right, in case you were wondering. Not even a real superhero. All right. Anyway. Did you have a question? All right. I, I, I hope so. Go ahead. Okay, so good que- that's a good question. All right, so one, we all share the same purpose, to glorify God. Yeah. That is your purpose. If you find out that's not your purpose, then you go back and it is your purpose, okay? Yes, but other purpose, all right, yes. So, yes, and we all have other, you know, secondary purposes and, and things that where how God wants us, really what God calls us to, he calls us all universally to glorify him, but he calls us to do that in different ways, Right? And so Mr. Jeff is a pilot. That's his occupation. So part of, his, part of how God used Mr. Jeff to fulfill his purpose is by putting him in the path of, of unique people all around the world. Okay? He gets to trap, that's his work. But not only does he fulfill his purpose in that, but he's also a husband. And so he points his wife to Jesus. He's also a father, so he points his sons to Jesus. He's also here working on a Wednesday night uh, for y'all pointing you to Jesus, all right? And so in, in those things, he fulfills his purpose. They aren't really his purpose. They're the way he fulfills his purpose. This is the thing between, the difference between earthly and eternal. Lance, this is a great question. You're a genius for asking it, okay? It's a, no, seriously, it's a good question. But here's, here's where we mix it up. See, suddenly, right, if Mr. Jeff was using an earthly point of view, he would say, being a pilot is my purpose, 
or being a husband is my purpose, or even being a father is my purpose. Those are all good things, but they're all ways in which he fulfills his purpose. Does that make sense? See, culture is going to tell you that being a musician or being, um, you know, uh, a businessman or businesswoman or being an executive or being an accountant or being a a lawyer or being a doctor or, or whatever, that that's your purpose. But scripture tells us, right, that our purpose is to honor God, to glorify God, and those those talents, those abilities, those passions that God gives us are the way in which we do that, right? If you're a soccer player or a football player or a basketball player or a trombone player, right, or a, a flautist, I love saying the word flautist. Y'all know I love saying the word flautist. This is a cool word, all right? If you're going to be in the, someone who plays the flute, all right, you're welcome, all right? Okay, if, if you play an instrument or you sing or you dance or, or whatever it is, those aren't your purposes, the problem is, the problems begin to arise when those become your purpose rather than the means by which you fulfill your purpose. Does that make sense? See, Scripture tells us that, that those are the avenues, the gifts and the abilities and the desires and the passions and the skills that God has given us to fulfill our purpose. Yes? Okay. What, all right, so you're in med school. In this situation, you're in med school, and you decide you don't like it, all right? And you think God wants you to do it. I got to be honest with you. If you think God wants you to do something, I would try my hardest to try to figure out how to do it. See, I had the exact opposite happen to me. So I went to school uh, and went and got a degree and then wanted to go to law school. and thought I was going to go to law school. I'm like, hey, Lawyers make money from what I hear, so I'll go be a lawyer. Uh, I don't mind arguing with people about stuff. Uh, seems, seems legit, so I was like, I'm going to go to law school. But you know what? Then for some reason, this random person at a church that I grew up in called me one day and said, hey, Josh, would you, and Candace and I were dating at the time, would you and Candace uh, mind taking a group of youth on a mission trip to Mexico? The youth pastor has left and gone to another church uh, we know you're only 22 years old, but we want y'all to take this group of students on a mission trip to Mexico. They're like, sweet, we like Mexico, cool. Uh, also like Mexican food, it's great as well. Um, so we went and we took a group of teenagers to Mexico on a mission trip. And it was on that mission trip where God said, hey, Josh, not only do I want you to take this group of students on this mission trip, but I want you to invest your life in students. And so I had the exact opposite happen where I wanted to do something right? I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to do that. I wanted, I wanted that to be my life. Guys, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I had zero desire in my life to be poor the rest of my life, being relatively poor, be, being a youth pastor. I just, I didn't. At that point in my life as a 22-year-old, I didn't. It, it wasn't what I wanted. And yet God broke me over the course of about a year and said, this is your purpose, now, I've struggled with it since then. It's not like every day, again, transparency, it's not like every day I wake up and, and I don't have other things that I'd like to do or other ambitions or other passions. There have been times in the last 10 years where I've said, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. I can, I, I'm, I'm qualified and certified. I could go be a teacher tomorrow, make even less money. But I wouldn't have 
the stress of church life or whatever, all right? But God reminded me that my purpose was to glorify him in whatever I was doing. And it was my passions and my abilities and desires needed to, to do that. So to go back to, to your question, man, if, if God's called you to be a doctor, man, you're going to pay off those student loans eventually, and it'll be great, and it'll be cool. And you can, you can use your position as a physician, position as a physician, all right? All right, that's right. I'll put that on a, on a, a young birdie uh, beat, and it'll be sick, all right? All right, thank you. All right, yeah, we're waiting on that collab to come out. So, all right. But whatever it is that you feel that God's calling you to, man, chase that with everything that you have and, and, and do your best to discern and follow what God's will for your life is, Jack. Um, I, I promise you that there are gonna be difficulties and there are gonna be hardships when you're trying to follow God's will. But ultimately, it's gonna have eternal dividends. It's gonna pay off uh, in eternity, um, if you're following God's will for your life, okay? All right? Um, I don't know if I answered anybody's questions or not. Um, I don't even remember what I'm talking about anymore. Um, not only is it our purpose, but we're also gonna be held accountable for what we do here on earth. That last verse, and uh, we continue in, in verse 10, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's a judgment that's coming for what we have done here on earth. Guys, I, I don't know if we talk about this in the right context all the times, but there's going to come a point in our lives at the, at the end where Christ comes back and returns, and there's going to be a point where we're held accountable for the things that we've done and the things that we haven't done. We're going to be held accountable for what we've done with what God has given us and what we've done with the name of Jesus. And so, not only is it our purpose to point people to Jesus and to fix our eyes on eternal things rather than earthly things, but guys, there's also going to come a point where you're going to be judged based on what you've done and what you haven't done. Now, if you are in Christ and you have a relationship with Christ, right, that judgment, this is a different kind of judgment. This isn't a heaven and hell judgment, but this is a judgment where God says, hey, you had an opportunity to point this person to Christ. You had an opportunity to do this with what I gave you, and you chose not to. And eternity hangs in the balance here, which I don't know that we can really overstate. There are going to be people in your lives who need to know Jesus, and you're going to be given the opportunity to point them to Jesus. And if you ignore those opportunities, that person's eternity rests in part on your willingness or unwillingness to point them to Jesus, to be intentional about sharing the gospel with them. I've shared this story a hundred times. I know we got new seventh graders and eighth graders. I lived with the same, the same guy, the same roommate for four years in college. All right, when, when we began living together, he was a born-again believer, professed Christ, led worship in our church that we went to on Sunday mornings as an 18-year-old. By the end of that four years, he was um, uh, an atheist of sorts, said he didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Jesus, was an addict and an alcoholic. And not once in those four years did I take the time to point him to Jesus. And I haven't spoken to him in years and years and years. I don't have a phone number. I have an email address. He's not on Facebook or Twitter or anything. I know that he lived, last I heard, he lived in New Jersey somewhere. 
was in the military. And there's not very many days, I'm just going to be honest with you, that go by where I don't stop and think, dude, you completely dropped the ball. You had four years literally living in the same house. His bedroom door was from me to Christian away from my bedroom door. For four years, every day. And you know what I was worried about? Hey, bro, let's go play some intramural sports or some Halo 2 or let's play some Texas Hold'em or whatever. All right, what do you need from the grocery store? I'm going to Walmart. That's pretty much what we did for four years. Not one time. Not one time that I say, hey, dude, you know Jesus loves you even though you don't love him right now. You know that. And you know that I care about you and where you spend eternity, and so I'm going to take some time to share Christ with you. Not once. Eternity hangs in the balance. Guys, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I will be held accountable for that. For each student that comes in this room that I don't take time to have a conversation with, on me. Doesn't mean that I have the power to save anybody. So I talked about last week. But I am an ambassador carrying the message of reconciliation between God and man. And if I don't communicate that, that truth to people, when I have the opportunity, that's on me. And let me tell you, it's a tough thing to live with. The guy I'm talking about, I haven't seen, what year is it? I haven't seen him since 2006, 12 years. 12 years, I've talked to him once in 12 years. I called him to invite him to my wedding, which he didn't come to. Um, I mean, he was in Iraq or Afghanistan or something, flying helicopters. It's a long time to live with something like that. And so opportunities, seize opportunities to invest in people's eternity. And finally, this is where we find joy. This is where we find joy, is in living for things that matter eternally. Has anybody ever had a moment in their life where they were doing a lot of things, you were doing a lot of stuff, and maybe it was good stuff, but you just felt empty? You just felt like the things you were doing didn't matter? You had that in your life? I think we've all had that in our life. And I got all this stuff. Things are good. There's a lot of good stuff happening, but there's still something missing. Guys, I'm going to tell you, a huge majority of the time, when you find that emptiness in your life, it's because we're investing in earthly things rather than eternal things. And sometimes it may feel like we're investing in eternal things, but there's a lot of times where we've tricked ourselves into thinking the stuff that matters doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. So I'm going to tell you the only place that you're going to find real joy, okay, is by investing in things that matter eternally. By investing in people. And not investing in people so you get something back from people, but investing in people so that they come to know who Jesus is or they come to grow closer to Jesus. Investing in your relationship with God. And joy, uh, we, we've kind of messed up the definition of joy is not happiness. It's different. Happiness is a byproduct of joy, but happiness can also come from things that are earthly, right? Some things that make you happy. Like Dr. Pepper makes me happy. Hey, you know what my wife did today? She texted me this morning and said, hey, do you want the new Madden? Boom. Keeper. She texted me this morning 
and said, do you want the new Madden? And I was like, uh, yeah. And she was like, do you want the regular one or the Hall of Fame version? And I was like, what? What is happening? Our birthday is not till December, right? That made me happy, right? It made me, it made me happy, right? A video game. I'm 34, guys. I'm, you're not coming to my house tonight. No, I haven't, even, I haven't even taken the plastic off of it yet. I haven't been home, bro. I, I live here on Wednesdays, all right? But I'm 34 years old, and Dr. Pepper and video games still make me happy, right? I get Smith is back there hanging out. What up, Smith? Like getting to, getting to play soccer with Smith, that makes me happy. Smith and Daily Grace and Candace and Madden and Dr. Pepper, I'm not going to put them all on the same level, but they all are things that make me happy. <laughs> Right? But as much as I hate to say it, right, these things pass away. They, they have an ending. But investing in your relationship with God and investing in people's eternity, that lasts forever. Those are things that, that can bring joy. And guys, the the good thing about joy is that it endures through all circumstances. Happiness is up and down based on your mood and your emotions and your circumstances. Joy has the potential to be eternal. So, the so what for me, all right? That's a bunch of stuff that some dude named Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. My new life in Christ shapes my purpose. My new life in Christ shapes my purpose. If I'm a new creation, that dictates what my purpose is. It doesn't really change your purpose. Your purpose has always been the same, but it helps you to realize what your purpose is. This idea of being a new creation helps define your purpose. Stop and ask yourself what you believe your purpose in life is. And so now... If you understand that you're a new creation, you understand that your purpose is to honor and glorify God, to please God, you understand that. Now, what are some practical steps that you can take to fulfill your purpose? You know, when we set out to achieve something in life, we like to set goals or come up with ways to do it, right? If you're running cross-country, right, you don't just like show up on a Saturday for a cross-country meet and be like, I'm going to whoop everybody, right? What do you do beforehand? You train, right? And you don't just like randomly like, all right, I don't know how long this race is, so I'm just going to run some stuff on Tuesday, and I'll do whatever on Wednesday, and uh, I don't know, Thursday's here, so I'll just like, I'll run backwards for a mile. Uh, that'll help, um, right? It is hard, it's really hardcore, right? But you find out what the goal is, and then you do things to achieve it. If you're playing tennis, if you're playing soccer, if you're trying to be the first chair flautist or, or tuba player or whatever it is, right? Or if, you, or if you want all of these academic scholarships, you're like, hey, I need money to go to school, and so I'm going to do this, 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 and this to achieve um, you know, this really high GPA. I'm going to do all these ACT and SAT workshops and prep classes or, or whatever. Or I'm going to learn how to play the guitar, and so this is what I'm going to do, you, you, Right? I know you can pick up and, and teach some of it yourself, right? You can, you can learn some of it just messing around with it. But if you want to get really good, right, you either need someone to teach you or you got to get some, 
some serious, uh, hey, hit up Travis Higginbotham, he teaches a guitar lesson, right? right? Don't settle for YouTube videos when you have a real uh, guitar teacher in the house, right? Like our, all these things that we want to achieve here on earth, we take practical steps to achieve them. They don't happen by accident, right? You don't become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer by accident. You say, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to go to school for it. I'm going to take these classes. I'm going to study this, study that. And yet, when it comes to our relationship with God and investing in other people, sometimes we're just like, eh, show up on a Wednesday. Maybe if I wake up early enough on a Sunday, I'll go to Sunday school. I don't know, this dude Tony is taking people to the theme park. Yeah. It's only 10 bucks. Maybe I'll do that. Right? But if we really want to fulfill our purpose of honoring, glorifying God, pleasing him, what are some practical steps that you can take to do that? There may be some things in your life you need to get rid of. There may be some things in your life you need to start doing. It may be that you need to begin to take time, set aside each day to intentionally focus on fulfilling your actual purpose. Does that make sense? So maybe in your little book, if you got one, maybe you go home tonight or tomorrow and you say, here's some steps that I can take to fulfill my purpose. Let's pray together. Father, God, we thank you, God, that you have given us a purpose. God, I know there have been times in my life, God, where I wandered through life very aimlessly. I didn't know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be or how I needed to get there. Yeah, but I'm thankful, God, that you have put people and things and events in my life that have helped me to figure out what my purpose is. God, I pray right now, God, in this moment, God, that we would be reminded that we all have one singular purpose. God, you've given us different interests, different passions, different abilities and gifts. God, but we all share one purpose. God, I pray that you would help us discover how to get to that purpose, how to achieve it, and how to point people to you. God, we love you and ask all these things in your name. Amen. You guys can stand and sing.